Hello and welcome to the English Literature and Poetry podcast or is it Poetry and English Literature podcast? Nobody knows. It should change <laughs> from week to week then. Yeah. <laughs> it's, is it in, I think it's Poetry and English Literature podcast. Is it oh, Poetry? I should say to our listeners. So, oh, sorry, David, go ahead. As well, let's face it. Well, it's it's, yeah, it's poetry first, and so far it has been exclusively poetry as well. So that seems only right. That is true. So we've got our title in the right order um, per the content. Listeners, welcome to the Poetry and English Literature podcast, and welcome back if you are indeed returning to us. And if you are, we are, of course, very, very glad um, that you are. Uh, our last podcast uh, was on uh, Sir John Betjeman, and we looked at, uh, at some of his poems. And I was joined then, as I am again uh, this evening, by Rob. Yeah, man. Hi there. How are you doing? <laughs> and David. Good evening. Guys, thank you so much for joining uh, this evening. Yeah, at quite oh. short notice. You only you only you only asked us about an hour ago, so uh, I would say that this podcast is likely to be even less <laughs> well researched than all the others that have come before, and that is uh, quite a low bar anyway. So, um, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's possibly worth saying again, if if listeners are joining us for the first time, that the I suppose the, uh, the, the this this one is is quite pure. To the ethos of the podcast, I think, which is the idea that uh, we can pick up some 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 uh, some English literature, some poetry, some verse, and have a look at it without being in any way scholars of that. Um, and and I think that uh, I, I, I'll fess up a little bit as we move into our um, our coda on Betjeman. That I, I I wouldn't say that I swatted up for Betjeman, but I did take the opportunity to uh watch, watch one uh, thing on youtube yeah i still think that qualifies you as not a scholar <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah i think that'd be a fair uh appraisal but you know uh i i did whereas this evening as you rightly say rob uh this this one is um is very much uh just decided to to, to crack on in fact it would be fair to say completely honest to say that we haven't discussed with each other um at all which poems we may may look at or whatever so i hope you'll bear with us as we as we um as, the, as this podcast unfold so gentlemen uh who, who, who just would anyone want to add anything to our previous uh, podcast on sir john betjeman no not really not from my end i, I thought that um, we acquitted ourselves reasonably well um uh, and I think that, uh, yeah, uh, uh, no, nothing, nothing, nothing beyond what we said in that podcast. It's uh, it was really uh, an interesting, an interesting conversation, an interesting set of poems, um, which certainly sort of tantalised me and made me want to read more. Yeah, as you said, I don't think I think we I think we did this. I haven't felt well. I haven't been bombarded with angry messages from um, ardent Betjemanites. <laughs> um, so, you know, <laughs> I take that as, uh, as yeah, uh, 100% approval. <laughs> okay. Well, well, admittedly, I haven't been, I haven't delved that deeply since since then. I always say I'm going to, and then I, you know, then I don't necessarily do my homework. But I've not, I've not uh, 
looked into uh, not looked into him since, but I will. I definitely will. Well, I I, I, I might say that um, I did order a copy of Summoned by Bells, um, and I think it arrived yesterday. Um, but I, I was too frightened to open the package due to the uh, the, the lockdown and the virus paranoia. Um, anyway, I, fi- I finally opened it this evening. It was a second-hand book off the internet, and um, it's a first. I don't know if it's a first edition, uh, but it's a, it's, a, it's an early imprint. John Murray hardback. Um, it had the dust jacket on uh, the front, and no 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 dust jacket on the back. So it has a kind of a half a dust jacket. So that's the kind of quandary that one doesn't want in one's life. Does one <laughs> does one discard? the dust jacket 60 year old dust jacket or does one keep a ripped demi dust jacket uh, so how, does that, how does that work how does half a dust jacket work well it's literally appears to have been ripped off the back yeah pretty much like half an actual jacket i imagine i totally <laughs> useless <laughs> so whereabouts where does it reach to does it get halfway along the spine does it get a little I need to I need to investigate it more thoroughly. At the moment, it's still in the porch because I I I I I sort of you know I won't I won't say I was wearing rubber gloves because I don't have any, nor did I have any antiseptic wet wipes. But I sort of um, with trepidation took off the outer packaging and sort of squirreled it away in the bin and then washed my hands. And that's as far as I got. That was about an hour ago. So I haven't I haven't looked together. I I I I just noted um, that that the back was entirely dust jacket free, which I was actually quite pleased about because I thought well at least I'm not going to have any one of these, you know anxieties about the dust jacket and then i then i realized that it was with even greater force it was a dust jacket quandary you've gone you're going you're going full niles crane on this uh, <laughs> <laughs> on this coronavirus thing i think it's just awakening what was already there but uh that's 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 yeah uh, that's i could uh, you painted quite a pretty picture <laughs> it is there's something that it sounds worthy of a poem by itself. Yeah. <laughs> Half a dust. From 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 the point of view of value, I wonder if it is better. To, I, um, don't chuck away the dust jacket, but there's a chance that it yeah it'd be worth more eventually, presumably with with the jacket. I think that I I, th- I mean the book was about two pound fifty, which I was surprised to get a 1960 edition of it mm. hardback. Um, so I don't I don't know that its market value is high at the moment, but maybe, as you rightly say, in the future. Is it a uh, is it, is it a book? Did you say? Yeah, it's summoned by bells. By yeah, then, then then its market value is not high. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Rob, I don't know if you know. I, I was I went to um, the Antiques Roadshow last summer with a book um, that's worth nigh on a thousand. Wait, what? What is it? it? Is it a book of stamps that's a mile thick? What? What, <laughs> what is it? No, it's a, it's a, it's a first edition of uh, the Hound of the Baskervilles. Is it? Oh. Gnarly. Um, Robin. Yes. I noticed that David said he hadn't been inundated by highly critical Betjeman fans, um, and that may be because. Any, any. They, they don't know where to reach him with their, <laughs> with their the flaming, reason, let's face it. They're with their flaming torches and pitchforks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, well, traveling yeah, outside right now. I can see where you're where you're heading with this. Uh, the the news is the the hot news is that we now have a um, 
an email address. So if you are listening to this podcast, uh, you can now write in with your thoughts and your uh, warm regards or your uh, unfeigned hostility as, <laughs> as, as, you, as you wish, as you so wish. Um, and the email address is um, poetry podcats. So a little bit like podcast, but with the S and T uh, reversed poetry podcats at gmail.com. I'll say once more. It's poetrypodcasts at gmail.com. And we will put that in the show notes for this episode. Um, or, uh, well, you'll have to work out to do when you post the episode, Dan, but they, it will be there. Um, and uh, for sure, yeah, we very much would appreciate hearing from you uh, if you are listening, because so far we have been doing this entirely in a sealed room, so to speak, in a vacuum um with one-way traffic us to the world with no no responses back so far i think uh, as you as you as you may have correctly observed last week rob um it may well be that uh <laughs> that there are not that many listeners at this stage of uh the well, I, I don't think there will be that many but there might be one <laughs> with access if, if you to, if you are that listener yeah if you are that listener we would be delighted of course. Yes. I'm not sure what the psychology behind that is, uh, but we would be delighted to hear, wouldn't we? I, I'm not sure why. Uh, yeah, there might be, in, I don't know, in, if you are that one listening, in the prison library, there might be a computer you could use to get <laughs> <laughs> limited a access to the internet. <laughs> uh, please do send us an email. Uh, anyway. Um, I imagine our listener is a very healthy, uh, sort of young uh, person, probably out jogging at the moment or, or on a treadmill in an exclusive gym that's that's probably the sort of person uh, uh, ma ma male or female would you say our listener is um i think our listener is is post-gender love it yeah a bit of both what bit of both uh, you're saying best of both worlds <laughs> <laughs> i'm saying it's a, it's a secondary order concern to the sort of listener that we may have that's what you're saying yeah love it uh, right, let's plough on before we get ourselves into trouble uh, uh, with uh, the subject of the uh, of the day. Which Dan, would you like to introduce our uh, subject? Well, I, I, we picked at the end of our last uh, uh, podcast um, after we'd finished recording. We said, well, we've had a couple of people from the twentieth century. I say a couple, of course. We have Betjeman and we had uh, Robert Graves, Sir John Betjeman, Robert Graves, and before that we had Ted. Hughes so all of those were 20th century poets and there was no particular intention to um, to do that it was just the way it had worked out so we decided to plump for someone a little bit earlier um, and that's what makes this to me quite exciting um, we're going to go for John Donne um, about whom I know a relatively little although as per our previous podcasts I've had a five minute uh, read up and so he was um not not a contemporary exact contemporary of shakespeare but they certainly occupied the planet um at the same uh, time and for 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 a considerable number of shared years boys what do you know about uh, john dunn uh almost nothing um he wrote the flea that's a poem i know of his a little bit uh and that he was uh the preeminent representative of the metaphysical poets um a term which i can't say that i fully understand uh although i understand that it's a uh 
meta metaphorical form, shall we say? Yeah, the um, it's been interesting actually just browsing through the the poems, the top just by title, and there are a few. There are a few that I that I know a little bit. There's not many that I know properly. The flea. I, again, like you, Rob, is, is one that, I, that I've definitely read and thought about. Um, there are a few others. A Valediction, Forbidding Morning, um, Death Be Not Proud. Um, there's one or two others in, uh, in addition to those. Uh, yeah, what I know, what I knew about him anyway was that he, as you said, Dan, rough contemporary with Shakespeare, and that his career sort of divides a little bit in half he kind of um i know he was a uh, a little bit uh, a little bit rock and roll in his youth um and that was reflected in his work very much there's, there's a kind of fairly strong um inclination towards sex in his in his early work and then he seems to have repented quite significantly in his later life because i know he became the i think he was the dean of saint paul's um towards the end of his life and then turned to much more um kind of christian themes in his later work uh, the other thing that i learned about element is literally what i've just read yeah in the last in the last half hour um in a book called um it's, John, it's by john sutherland uh, and it's called a little history of literature and there's a whole chapter about done fairly fairly short chapter about done um which i had time to have a look at and the the metaphysical thing interestingly according to sutherland is essentially meaningless there is no reason whatsoever why he and his and, and his peers were known as the metaphysicals um it doesn't really mean anything at all as far as that's what sutherland reckons anyway right okay uh, <clears throat> well can i just because I, I, this may be a, a slight um, fetish, if that's not perhaps the wrong word of mine. I, I, do, I am interested in what, which editions people have got. So, Rob, what are you, what are you holding? What's uh, your... I've got a no edition, a single edition of uh, of John Donne. Hence my profound ignorance on the subject. Or I might have up there on the shelf, but I don't think so. Um, I've got a fair old shelf of poetry, but I don't think I recall having it done up there. Uh, however, I have got a book of English poetry, which has, uh, I think, nine of his poems. It's just an anthology of English poetry from, uh, uh, broadly from Spencer, well, it was before Spencer, Sir Thomas White, Chaucer. So a, a little bit Chaucer at the start, and it ends with uh, Matthew Arnold and, oh, look, there's a Rossetti at the end. So it's a big summary of English poetry. Um, and Dunn's got nine. Uh, Editor? Uh, oh, publisher? Uh, it's a penguin. It's collected by G.B. Harrison. Wow. That's quite a big volume. No, it's, it's, a, you know, it's, a, you know, it's just the size of a sort of, you know, of a, of a I don't know. <clears throat> of a, uh, you a know. Book. A book, yeah, of a of a of a of a, of a mid sized of a mid sized a medium sized book. I'm thinking it's the size of a of a of a Martin Amis novel, that sort of thing. You know what I mean? Bit bigger than a King's Rachel Amis, Papers but or not, the pregnant widow. Uh, the pregnant widow, probably a little bit more. Maybe maybe money. Okay. But maybe not quite London Fields. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> David, David, could you tell us a little bit about the edition you have? Uh, yeah. Uh, similarly, um, I don't have a. a, a, a edition of just done frustratingly i definitely do have somewhere a copy of the of the so-called metaphysicals a kind of a, an anthology of their of their work which definitely features done obviously quite 
heavily. I, don't, I have a copy of that. I suspect it must be in my classroom back at school, uh, which is obviously inaccessible to me at the moment. Um, so I've got a copy of uh, an anthology called Poetry Please, um, published by Faber and Faber, which um, is obviously uh, based uh, is a, a, a companion to the the Radio Four program, and um, there are a few done poems in there. Although actually, the one I've I'm probably going to choose unless one of you has chosen it uh, as well is not in that edition uh, i've just got it off um uh the uh poetry foundation website is it no man is an island uh, it's not that one no okay uh is that yours then no actually, no i was just curious actually well i well i'll very briefly say i do have the book that you <coughs> obviously possess but don't have in front of you the metaphysical oh, okay. poets mm. um introduced and edited by Helen Gardner um, which is um, a penguin and I think yeah. this book probably came out in I would think I have a quick squint as early as 57 it was first published in 57 um, and reprinted many many times um, and I think there was a s several different editions because there's a couple of there's copyrights 57 then 66 then 72 so I think this is a kind of um, pretty uh, you know uh, a definitive book or well, not definitive but obviously an important and, and uh, a, a book around the the, the so-called uh, metaphysical poets which it is titled and just to sort of spit a few names out I don't think that they're necessarily chronologically ordered. It starts with Sir Walter Raleigh. There's a Shakespeare poem, The Phoenix and the Turtle. There is um, there there are a huge, well, a large number, perhaps 20 poems by Dunn. There's Johnson, Raleigh and Townsend, and then if you go on further, George Herbert, quite a lot. Um, Edmund Waller, John Milton, Andrew Marvell and others so yeah i have i have got that book in front of me but maybe david okay. this would be a moment for you to say uh which poem you're gonna you're gonna do because i think we should uh should we do we need to have them all up front or not why don't why don't we just take yours uh first which poem and just check we've both got it which which poem are you going for um called the apparition yeah i've got that in front which of me you can find on yeah on the poetry foundation website the apparition I'm guessing it's going to be in here. My slow motion. Um, I've just found it in another book called The Oxford Book of English Verse, which has got a, bun a bunch more done. There you are. Helen Gardner fans, it's on page 72 of our book. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm going to ring the gong gentlemen unless you have anything you want to add about your prior knowledge of john dunn any, nope. any last thoughts on that i have no prior knowledge that's fine um shall we go david and then robin to take the second pass and then we'll see what we make of it sure okay okay i will see you gentlemen for reading of the apparition after this The Apparition by John Donne. <clears throat> when by thy scorn, O murderess, I am dead, and that thou think'st thee free, from all solicitation from me, 
then shall my ghost come to thy bed, and thee, feigned vestal, in worse arms shall see. Then thy sick taper will begin to wink, and he, whose thou art then, being tired before, will, if thou stir or pinch to wake him, think thou call'st for more, and in false sleep will from thee shrink. Poor aspen wretch, neglected thou, bathed in a cold quicksilver sweat, wilt lie a verier ghost than I. What I will say, I will not tell thee now, lest that preserve thee. And since my love is spent, I had rather thou shouldst painfully repent, than by my threatenings rest still innocent. Okay, well, I'll take another run at that. Uh, it's called The Apparition by John Donne. Uh, we don't know exactly when this is paint, uh, uh, written, do we? Um, the Apparition. When by thy scorn, O murderess, I am dead, and that thou thinkst thee free from all solicitation from me, then shall my ghost come to thy bed. And thee, feigned vestal, in worse arms shall see. Then thy sick taper will begin to wink. And he, whose thou art then, being tired before, will, if thou stir, or pinch to wake him, think thou call'st for more, and in false sleep will from thee shrink. And then, poor aspen wretch, neglected thou, bathed in a cold, quicksilver sweat wilt lie, a verier ghost than I. What I will say I will not tell thee now, lest that preserve thee, and since my love is spent, I had rather thou shouldst painfully repent than by my threatenings rest still innocent. Okay, thank you very much, gentlemen, for your readings of that poem, which uh, is new to me, mm. and pleasingly so. Um, what is this poem about? It's uh, he's a very bitter, jilted boyfriend, isn't he? It's, uh, it's, the, it's the positively fourth street of the metaphysicals. Um, is, is the what? Oh, it's a Bob Dylan joke. Uh, oh. that's a you know, a, 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 a poem of hate and you know, anger about uh, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, uh, ah, so. O murderess, by when by thy scorn, O murderess, I am dead. Um, so she is a scornful woman. And he's dead, so therefore she thinks that she has escaped from any further asking or, or requests from him. He will visit her as be from beyond the grave. What's a vestal? And thee feigned vestal, in worse arms shall see. What does that mean? Was well, Vestal virgin? Yeah. She's suggesting that she's not really a virgin. That that was her excuse. Ah, of course. <clears throat> but that um, but that that's just a, a a sort of cover story, possibly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so because she because she is in worse arms, and her sick taper will begin to wink. I.e. her her. Uh, her uh, 
Candle. Catherine Candle. Catherine mm-hmm. Candle, thank you, yeah. Uh, and he who, who you're with, who's art that, who's thou art then, he being tired before, will, if thou stir or pinch to wake him, think thou callst for more, and in full sleep will from thee shrink. Oh, so the man she's with will think she wants him and therefore will pretend to be asleep to avoid her, right? Yeah, I think so. And then <laughs> poor Aspen wretch. Aspen? Don't get that. No. It's a tree, isn't it? An Aspen? Yeah. Uh... It's probably a tree with a, um, you know, a, a meaning. Like um, all of these trees had um, associations, didn't they, I think, in uh, Elizabethan times? there's something isn't there what's that thing uh, there? It's, it says it says here a poplar tree with small rounded round long stalked leaves that tremble in the breeze ah so she'd be a trembling wretch maybe aspen means trembling neglected thou because she's been neglected by her her, her suitor bathed in a cold quick silver sweat will lie a verier ghost than I. So she is now becoming. She has become a, a haunted. She'll be pale. Pale, exactly. Um, and verier just means more, 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 more honestly, a ghost, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, in a high degree, extremely, exceedingly. Um, verier. Interesting. It's a word that needs to be brought back, isn't it? It's a comparative form of very. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Um, you, you know, it, for instance, that was very uh, exciting, whereas this was very uh, exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting, yeah. Let's, let's try and bring it back. Silly adjective. Yeah, very. Uh, a verier ghost than I. Um, what I will, will say, I will not tell thee now. So he's going to utter some um, utterance. No, no, but he's... he's He's holding that back. For He's holding that back, yes. Oh, when I, when, yeah. Lest that give you any sort of comfort. Yeah. And since my love is spent, I had rather thou shouldst painfully repent than by my threatenings rest still innocent. It's uh, pretty hateful stuff. I don't, I didn't quite get the last two and a half lines, to be honest. Uh, I had rather thou shouldst painfully repent than by my threatenings rest still innocent. Uh... Well, he wants her to continue to, to feel um, guilty, I suppose. Yeah, um, he's, 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 he's this, regret this for the rest of her life rather than uh, let it just pass her by and forget all about it uh, and not be aware. I suppose the, the the idea of a ghost haunting someone is you, you you can't necessarily be sure whether you're making a difference, whether you're actually kind of whether you're you're noticed or not, or your whether your haunting is. Um, is you know it's completely futile so perhaps that's that's what he's sort of his final wish seems to be it's really yeah i mean it's as a piece of work it's certainly not um it's not really what i was expecting actually assuming this is one of his early early works which it must be um it feels i mean i think of his the the, the like the flea um i think of his early work as as um, essentially, you know, rather like Marvel's to his coy mistress, is is a, essentially kind of seduction poems, 
where he he uses a bit of kind of deception and a bit of um, yeah yeah a bit of cunning. But essentially, essentially they're they're flattering, you know, on the whole. Yeah, this um, is very harsh, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I'm sort of hoping, looking for some irony, for some level of, um, uh, you know, does he actually mean this, or is there a, is there an element of self self-deprecation going on i don't know but it's, 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 it seems like he's been scorned and he's now writing this furiously yeah in 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 in, 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 in anger at her yeah but there's a there's a there's a he's, he's jealous isn't he he's a jealous he's a jealous young man who is um wants revenge really on the object of his uh, his, of his affection or desire. i'm not sure not sure that he's either jealous or seeking revenge um isn't this a well it is it is a seduction poem uh but a slightly aggressive one (laughs) (laughs) is there is there an episode of blackadder it it puts me in mind of um is there an episode of blackadder i'm sure there is i can hear rowan atkinson saying in my mind um and i'll be back to haunt you (laughs) I'm not sure who he addresses that line to. Um, presumably yeah. So, yeah, I can hear that as well. Um, and that's essentially what this is, quite sacrilegious uh, for the time one might have thought. Um, he's saying uh, that he's going to come back and haunt her if um, if she doesn't fall in to line. But but you you I, I you you were explaining the last sort of two and a half lines, David, and I slightly lost the thread of what you were saying. Is he saying that when he says "and since my love is spent," is he saying sort of is he saying do you think and since by that point in the future, sort of this will all be over? No, John Rob, I don't think so. Sorry, I don't think so. I think he's saying at at this very moment, I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to say, because that might give you some sort of comfort. And I had ra- uh, uh, because my love is ended. There is no, there's no, um, because there's nothing. I, because I hate you so much. <laughs> I had rather thou shouldst painfully repent, and I beg for mercy, you know, um, than by these threatenings, by these words I'm writing to you, rest still innocent. Do you not think that you could? Um... In the um, in when he says uh, and since my love is spent, do you not think you could replace that is um, with with will be or will have been? I don't think it makes much difference to the meaning of the poem. Well, well it does, doesn't what it? I... Because in the one reading, he's still very much in love with her mm. in, the present, in the present tense, and 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 I'm I'm, I'm maybe I. <laughs> Maybe I give general generous construction of that word is because I'm saying that instead of that being a present tense, he's saying I understand, yeah. in, in the future, since my love at that point will be spent over, I'd rather that you should spend the rest of your life. Yeah, but he's not in that. T- he's not in that. that yeah. I mean, the rest of the poem's not Suffering. in that tense. You know, up to that point, that up to that point, you, we've had. Uh, uh, Will, if thou stir, uh, you know, will from the shrink, uh, you will in a quicksilver sweat, wilt lie. Um, but then suddenly he does change tense of the last four lines. What I will say, I will not tell thee now, lest that preserve thee. And since my love is spent. So we are in a different tense. We are talking about what well, he's, he's talking from the point of view of writing the poem. He's not going to include in this poem that he's writing. He's not going to include 
the the things he's going to say in that at that future date when he's haunting her because i had rather that thou shouldst painfully repent but he's not yeah. laying it he's not laying it down for her he's saying he's not saying this is the way it is it, it, i mean this is, isn't ever conditional isn't there a, I, I'm, I'm looking for the language but it seems like it's conditional because isn't he presumably saying stop scorning no because his love is, <laughs> his, no because his love is spent he doesn't care anymore he's he's beyond um but also his love clearly isn't you know, he's, he's protesting way too much isn't this isn't, is a, it, my way brother isn't so, this poet? Isn't this poem a suicide note? Isn't that what it is? Oh, this poem is a suicide note, isn't it? Is it that he, he's not including that in his suicide note? He's basically saying, "When by thy scorn, O murderess, I am dead, i.e., in five minutes, and that thou thinkst thee free from all solicitation from me, which is like a certainty. Now I'm on my way out, but my ghost will come to your bed." Mm, okay. And you'll be there with somebody. Some other man will be there with you, but he won't really want you. And as soon as you stir or pinch to ache him, he'll think you want him more, and in for sleep from will from thee shrink. And then he says, um, "But w- what I will say, I will not tell thee now, i.e., in this po- suicide poem, lest that gives thee any comfort." Yeah. And since my love is now spent, I had rather thou shouldst painfully repent. Um. I think that's yeah that no, sounds fine I, I i hadn't taken it or him that seriously i must admit until you said that uh i sort of thought of this as a, a more of a you know overwrought adolescent well those, th- those two things aren't mutually exclusive <laughs> <laughs> well, no, did. but also i mean at that point like as dan was saying about you know is his love if his love is spent or will it be spent in the future um i it, it just feels like he's He's protesting too much. I mean, if 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 her rejection of him was enough for him to turn for, for for love, his love to turn to this stronger hatred, then obviously it wasn't really love, and therefore we don't feel any sympathy, or I don't feel any sympathy for him. I just think of I just think you know get a grip, essentially. Whereas yeah, if it's if it is that as strong as you're suggesting, and it is this is a sort of genuine you know suicide note yeah. then then you you're kind of duty bound to to receive it a lot more seriously than that well he's talking about death isn't he i mean that's pretty that that opening line is is pretty explicit in just in terms of that hypothesis no, yeah of course but it's not it's not necessarily that... death in a literal way though is it sorry Dan, go on. um Actually, I should just say, I think, I don't know how you guys are hearing the sound or, or indeed how our listeners are hearing the sound. But I think every time we talk over one another, I'm just getting a kind of a, a, a blurry noise. So I don't know. That's something to think about. Um, but, I'm sorry. Um, that's a red line for me. That's a deal breaker. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I do apologize to any listeners who may uh, very generously uh, still be with us. So. This is why we need to record ourselves individually because of that, basically. Yeah. Yeah. On their on their treadmill uh, or whatever, painting their creosoting their friends. Um, uh, <laughs> burying a body. <laughs> <laughs> off the topic a little bit there. Um, 
I think that uh, I, I don't quite take the serious note that you guys seem to be um, sort of uh, inching toward. It, it, it surely is a work of, um, of of pleasing artifice to take the idea of 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 of, of a subsequent haunting, um, admittedly a dark um, notion, um, but in the genre of, as you rightly said about Andrew Marvell. I mean, you you said that it's serious because he said, "When by thy scorn, O murderess, I am dead." But it's the same sort of thing, isn't it? Had we but world enough and time, mistress this uh whatever it is these delay were no crime i, mm. <coughs> I paraphrase marvell there um same same sort of idea um when by thy scorn o murderess i am dead i mean also o murderess is you know isn't that, yeah, well, that's it, isn't it? flirtatious well marv really mm. I mean, marvell doesn't tell he doesn't call his mistress a murderer mm. he's he, he gets her to think about her own mortality um, also, yeah. what what Dunn is saying here is 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 is, is, is there's no warmth there's no warmth or flirtation in this at all, really. I mean, I think it's pretty pretty explicit what he's saying. She's the feigned vir virgin. She's you know she's going to go off and have a some sort of uh, you know grim affair with some awful man in worse arms, uh, and he's going to come and. And tor torment her in her in her sleep, and you know, and there'll be no comfort for her because even when she's even if she's got a man, that man won't really want her. You know, it's a pretty vengeful and and um, and hateful message that he's writing. I don't think this is a, a, a love letter at all. But I mean, you you say that it's not flirtatious. I think that's what you just said. I, I did say that. Yeah. Uh, he says, "Then shall my ghost come to thy bed." I mean, that's immediately quite an erotic um, idea that she's in her bedchamber. And then the, um, you know, feigned vestal, he's sort of saying, come off it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> What's that program yeah. on the buses? I mean, feigned, <laughs> feigned, feigned vestal. I can't believe you brought on, on the buses into this. But... But there's nothing flirtatious about it. the imagery is completely uh, grim and cold and, you know, a cold, quicksilver sweat. Any opportunity he might have to, to turn this into another, you know, to sort of make her change her mind in the way that Marvell does. I mean, that's the difference, isn't it? Marvell takes imagery, which is um, weirdly uh, dark and nasty at times, but he kind of turns it around. And he, and he sort of makes a bit of a joke as well. I mean, there's, there's innuendo. There's 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 you know a real kind of nod and a wink going on throughout that poem. There's none of that. I don't get any of that here at all. Isn't this John Dunn laying down a marker as being a sort of leather jacketed, you know, dark, slightly edgy figure, you know? Well, I think that's that's that, that's 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 how that's how you choose to read it. I mean, I don't think that's what the poem actually in, in, inherently is, though. <laughs> I mean, do you know what I mean? Like that, yeah. That 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 is that is a reading of a poem. That's 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 like um, you know. I mean, we 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 we, we uh, you know, teenagers have always hero worshipped the sort of extremists and 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 the outcasts and the rebels. That doesn't make them heroes and outcasts and rebels. Do you know what I mean? I mean, mm -hmm. we, this 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 
poem to me is 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 dark and grim and vengeful and quite hateful and there's something about that which is kind of assumes in the modern era a rather romantic uh, 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 light but nevertheless the actual words in and of themselves seem to me quite dark and um, morbid and ven- and vengeful you know absolutely I mean I th- think this is we'd need to check this of course but I would imagine this is very early done and yeah. I think he's you know before he's achieved any kind of sexual conquests and has gained the self-confidence that you know you gain through that um I this is throwing out some early it's almost kind of exercising some early bitter misogyny that you know probably does uh, lurk within virtually all adolescent males um for at least a while yeah. until you think about about life and and women and everything and i think that's what's going on here and then yeah he he becomes more sort of magnanimous and generous and and decent um through his later work once he learns more about about women essentially i think for me that's how i read this and my i may well be completely wrong when when we discover that this was written you know years later uh than i suspect it is i've just suddenly thought as well you mentioned black adder dan i've just thought of a, of a black adder reference which this reminds me of which is the in the third series when um uh it, it features the uh, uh pit the and uh, the prime minister who you know the joke is obviously that he's he's an adolescent boy um and he's right he's writing his own poetry one of, one of which begins why do nice girls hate me <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, well, here, there's a bit of that going on here very much so i mean i think you're absolutely right that is what this poem could be could be subtitled <laughs> um, maybe maybe a, a more responsible literary um executive would have would have would have would have found that that's that subtitle i don't i mean he um i just i would just say this one thing and it's on that rather lighter note i think that you put forwards because the first line of this poem he says he he's, he's going to be dead in the future what's the cause of his putative death thy scorn when by thy scorn i am dead which seems to me to be, you know, hyperbolic in 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 to, to make it a little bit lighter than than I don't know than we seem to be perhaps um, inferring. Yeah, I would say so. Should we move on? I'll just I'll just start to jump on and just say one thing about the um, the form. It's got an unusual rhyme scheme. I just noticed, which is that. Um, it's a varying rhyme scheme. Uh, stanza, you don't, uh, this isn't in stanzas in my book, but nevertheless, it is in stanzas. Um, it goes A, B, B, A, B is stanza one, um, ending on uh, uh, shall see. Then it goes C, D, C, D, C. And then the last one goes back to the original um, rhyme scheme. Uh, uh, no, actually, it doesn't. It just goes D, D. Uh, D-E-E-D and then this F-F-F at the end spent repent in a cent so it's quite an unusual um, varied rhyme scheme which has sort of yeah uh, uh, and then and then and then and then a a, a three line ending Um, and 17 lines which is 
kind of divide as well, isn't it? It's yeah, sort of it's, it's very it's, it's very uneven because it actually goes five. The stanzas are five five uh, seven, but the actual rhyme scheme goes five five four three. Uh, if you see what I mean, because mm. the, uh, there's only um, what is it that, that last one? Thou lie I now spent repent innocent. You've also got um, yeah too much shorter lines as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Run on, obviously, from the ones ones before, but they're sort of jarringly um, abrupt. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so, the whole thing feels. But Sorry, but, but, but but possibly the the slight unevenness of it gives it gives it that slight sense of unease and um, uh, a slight sense of slightly sick and disorienting compared yeah. to something which was in let's say iambic pentameter or something that was um in a more uh a more even rhyme scheme you know something that was sort of more classically beautiful from a formal point of view whereas this is a little bit uneven it's a little bit off off center a little bit off kilter so the rhymes don't land where you're where where they've been set up to land they write they they alternate in a in an unusual way um uh, it's uh, it's also I mean it's, it's a rant as well isn't it I mean there's no the first full stop doesn't come until line what thirteen end of line yeah, that's right yeah and there's a lot before that and and yeah. and, another, and another thing which again uh, kind yeah. of gives, gives a sense of the sort of savage passion of the of the of the speaker yeah 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 I I'd agree with that and I think that um the the, the, the those last three lines. The fact that, um, that that they're not a couplet, you've got spent and repent, and then that last line has a a darker impact and thud uh, yeah. because of that sort of curious breach of 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 of, 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 of the rhyme scheme or possibly an an expected couplet or something to give yeah. it that third rhyme. It's darker and more threatening. But I, I would I would still continue my argument that that is um, a sort of proto byronic posture rather than a serious threat. Proto byronic posture is, and surely the name of a, an eighties band. <laughs> Actually, I think it was a sort of um, what do you call it? You know, a, a medley, a compilation album of uh, various <laughs> artists. <laughs> Yeah, orchestral maneuvers in the dark and Depeche Mode among them. Yeah. I'm sure. uh, Rob. Yes. What poem have you got? Uh, well, do tell us. Do tell us. Uh, I'm going to read Song. Oh, crikey. Can, I, can, can David and I see if we've got it? Sure. It's, it's just called Song. Song, S-O-N-G, yeah. Sounds a bit blur. <laughs> now they did the sequel song too. <laughs> actually, I've, I have actually got two, two. Two. One is one. One is song. Go and catch a falling star. That's the one. Yeah. I was going to say, which one are we talking about? Go and catch a falling star. Fine. It's Fifty-eight for Helen Gardner. People. All right. Um, after this uh, gong, uh, Rob, and then uh, I guess I will take a, a second part set. Do it. Song by John Donne. Go and catch a falling star. Get with child a mandrake root. Tell me where all past years are, or who cleft the devil's foot. 
Teach me to hear mermaids singing, or to keep off envy's stinging, and find what wind serves to advance an honest mind. If thou beest born to strange sights, invisible things invisible to see, ride ten thousand days and nights, till age snow-white hairs on thee, thou, when thou returnst, wilt tell me all strange wonders that befell thee, and swear nowhere lives a woman true and fair. If thou find'st one, let me know, such a pilgrimage were sweet, yet do not, I would not go, though at next door we might meet. Though she were true when you met her, and last till you write your letter, yet she will be false ere I come to two or three. Now, thank you. I'm going to take a, another pass at this poem. Do it. Song. Go and catch a falling star. Get with child a mandrake root. Tell me where all past years are, or who cleft the devil's foot. Teach me to hear mermaids singing, or to keep off envy's stinging. And find what wind serves to advance an honest mind. If thou beest born to strange sights, things invisible to see, ride ten thousand days and nights till age snow-white hairs on thee. Thou, when thou returnst, wilt tell me all strange wonders that befell thee, and swear nowhere lives a woman true and fair. If thou find'st one, let me know. Such a pilgrimage were sweet. Yet do not, I would not go, though at next door we might meet, though she were true when you met her, and last till you write your letter, yet she will be false ere I come to two or three. All right. Okay. That's a lot. That's a lot to unpack. Can I, well, why don't, well, there's three stanzas. How yep. about, as a radical way of managing our sound difficulties, I'll have a crack at the first stanza, you have a crack at the second, and David have a crack at the third, and then we can take it from there. How, how does that sound? All right? Do it. Okay, so he is addressing a generalised reader, go and catch a falling star, uh, get with child a mandrake root. I have absolutely no idea what that means. Um Tell me where all past years, tell me where all past years are or who cleft the devil's foot. In other words, um, he's setting a challenge, which is, I should think, impossible. So no, nobody could be expected to tell you where all past years were or, 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 or who cleft the devil's foot. He then says, teach me to hear mermaids singing um, or to keep off envy's stinging little sort of moral point there uh, nobody could teach anyone to um, to stop envying and and similarly one might think nobody could teach John Donne to hear mermaids singing since I think he's probably skeptical about their zoological 
uh, existence. So he's setting all these crazy challenges. He says, or to keep off Envy Stingy and find what wind or wind, I don't know, and find what wind, what wind serves to advance an honest mind. Or maybe that is a wind, as in like the wind of a of a sail. And find what wind serves to advance, like you would advance a sail maybe with a wind. I don't, I don't know. I'm just saying that could be a, 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 a nautical term, couldn't it? A wind. That's radi- radical, but I like it because you wouldn't think that find and mind um, would rhyme so poorly. With well, else, no, that's right, because we've got swear, where, fair, yeah. and, and she, be, three for the other two stanzas. So yeah. it must be find, wind, and mind. And a wind could be, you know, as a winch, I guess, like a wind, uh, a noun rather than, um, you know. And find a... what wind serves to advance an honest mind okay i suspect um, it's probably more to do with just changing pronunciations um in those days they probably pronounced wind wind i imagine that would then fit with the um with the rhyme possibly possibly i like my theory also though <laughs> <laughs> your, your your theory rob is, is quite neat and compelling and it means that the listeners are not subjected to my theory about pronunciation um, yep. which uh, I, 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 I think I would maybe be tempted to say that he's referring to a sort of uh, sort of quasi-Middle English pronunciation where it's like Finder, Winder. But anyway, I, fortunately, I'm not going to have to say that out loud. Minder. Um. <laughs> like Sven Gordon Eriksson. <laughs> well, this is, this, is, this is after the great vowel shift, isn't it? So we should have had, uh, that should have all happened by now, right? I think you're right. I don't know. Um, Why don't you hit us up with your, your take on the second stanza? Because it's a mysterious poem. Uh, yeah, it's a very mysterious poem. Um, if thou bist born to strange sights, things invisible to see, i.e. if you have this incredible ability, if you have these, um, if you are capable of doing extraordinary things, then maybe you can ride 10,000 days and nights, growing old as you go, till age snow white hairs on thee, Thou, when, when thou return, wilt tell me, because you, I, have the ability to see incredible things, and you have also ridden 10,000 days and nights and become an extremely old person. But even with those gifts, and even with those time, that, those time thou, when thou returnst, wilt tell me all strange wonders that befell me, uh, befell thee. So you've seen everything. You've seen all these incredible things all across the world. You've ridden 10,000 days and nights and you've been born to strange sights, things that are invisible to see for us mere mortals. But you will swear that nowhere, nowhere under the heavens lives a woman true and fair. Um, so we are hitting a highly <laughs> dodgy uh, uh, misogynistic uh, reading here of this second stanza, which is to say, um, uh, no matter where you go, how long you look, how far you ride, and no matter what strange wonders you will experience, you will never find a woman true and fair. It's pretty straightforward, that second stanza, I think. David, on with the third. Yeah, I'm just I'm hoping that the the third poem choice done in a slightly more favourable light 
than these two dicks. I'm not sure these two completely reflect his worldview, but um, maybe not. But yeah, it's not looking good for him so far. No. Yeah, it's obviously, yeah, true and fair. So presumably he's suggesting that you can be beautiful or you can be faithful. You yeah, can. of course. He's not a mug, isn't he? No, he knows <laughs> you can get true and he knows you can get fair. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. both is a tall order. I was just... Um, just because you were asking about mandrake root, Dan, isn't isn't that it was something to do with the the some sort of superstitious ideas about mandrakes uh, that they had uh, kind of magical properties of some kind. It definitely features in well, it features in Harry Potter, doesn't it? I was going to say Harry Potter has it, doesn't it? If we, a mandrake root is shaped like a um, like a like a like a, a child, isn't it? It's possible. Yeah. It's possible why it's called mandrake. I don't know. Okay. Um, but it's definitely in Harry Potter. They're little crying babies, aren't they? There's a reference to um, Mandragora in Othello, and I don't know if that, if it's the same thing, but uh, I, I assume there's a some kind of um, narcotic um, element to the to the Mandrake, and there definitely is the Devil's Foot, because that is a Sherlock Holmes short story, The Adventure of the Devil's Foot. Um, I won't spoil it for you. It's one of the best ones, but there's a uh, in case you haven't read it, but the um, that's that also is a drug. It's a really kind of powerful narcotic which has bizarre side effects on the um, on the user. Right. I assume, well, I, that might not be what he's going going for there, but that's yeah, it's links with Mandrake. Right. Anyway, yes. Yeah, so, uh, um, I'm just if, I'm just I'm just looking at pictures of uh, Mandrake roots. They are cute as boots, mate. They are they're super cute. They're little they're little fellas. Um, they've got little arms and legs. They're naturally occurring. They're just a bit like ginger, I guess, a little bit like a ginger root, you know, um, where they've got uh, little protuberances which look a little bit like arms and legs. Do um, you think so, mandrake was, you know, a um, something that might help you to conceive a child? Is that what he's saying in the second line? No, presumably not. It's maybe the maybe the opposite, uh, because obviously he's talking about things which are impossible, right? Uh, ah. Yeah, I don't know. I would just say on the devil's foot, um, I'm very interested to hear that. And I, I haven't seen the, I haven't read the, the, the Conan Doyle story. Um, if Basil Rathbone was not in a version of that story, then I'm, I'm probably uh, deprived of the, um, the narrative of that particular story. But I will, I will look it up. Mm, definitely. Yeah. Oh, anyway, yeah, so the, sorry, yeah. is, is he, maybe he's saying in the impossibility, maybe he's saying a mandrake root looks like a, a person. Go and get one pregnant. Yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? It's not, it's not the person getting pregnant. It's not, he's not saying you go and get, get with child. He's saying go and impregnate a mandrake root. Go on. I, yeah, they look they look like people, but you can't get one pregnant. They are they're because they are right. just simulacra. So <laughs> go and catch a falling star. Well, obviously you can't do that. Go and get pregnant a mandrake root, or go and get a mandrake root pregnant. You can't do that either. Even though they look like people, they're not. You know, these are the things that are impossible. You know, that would be magical, wouldn't it, to impregnate a mandrake root? Um, <laughs> Uh, so I think that's the, that, that's the, that's the reading. We're, I'm, well, I, I at least have been slightly misreading that um, that second line, but I think that's what he's saying. I agree, David. Yeah. The third stanza. Right. So, if thou findst one, let me know. So, if you somehow do manage to achieve this miracle, 
let me know. <clears throat> write, yeah, write me a letter, obviously, because um, you're going to be thousands of miles away. Uh, that letter at the end of the stanza. Such a pilgrimage were sweet, yet do not. I would not go, though at next door we might meet. Though she were true when you met her and lost till you write your letter, yet she will be false ere I come to two or three. So uh, if you find this um, perfect embodiment of um, chastity and beauty, then uh, write to me straight away and I'll come and meet her. But the, the, it, there'll be no point in me doing that because by the time I get there, she will have discovered, you will have discovered somehow that she is not true at all. She might have been when you met her, but she won't be by the time I arrive. Yeah. I think it's general gist of that, isn't it? Um, to she two or three? Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Well, what's, the, what's the two or three bit mean? Does that just mean by the time you count to two or three? She'll have turned false. Um, isn't well, that... She'll have been false to two or three people. Yeah, or with two or three people, maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she will only last until you write your letter. Her, her, her decency will last until you write your letter. Yeah. Yeah, she will be false ere I come to two or three. Um... Yeah, I think that's the uh, that's the point, isn't it? So yeah, it's another "Why do nice girls hate me?" Uh, poem. Yeah, I'm afraid it is. Yeah, well, uh, it's, it's it's a bit stronger than that in a way, isn't it? I mean, the other one was a bit more "Why do girls hate me?" This one is a bit more "Why are girls so awful?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very, very much, very much so. Yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah, he's broadened it out, hasn't it? It's not just it's not just um, narrowly focused misogyny. Yeah, this is a general blunderbuss. Yeah, this is an absolutely um, misogynist kind of uh, anthem. Um, uh, and swear nowhere lies a woman, lives a woman true and fair. I mean, that's a pretty big statement, isn't it? That's uh, uh, prefer, presumably rather young man to uh, to have made. Um, yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> So things are still not going well for him on the romantic front at this stage. Perhaps with our next choice. Um, I'll just br briefly mention, this is just uh, 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 what actually attracted me to this poem to begin with, was just the, um, that I know that T.S. Eliot was a, a big proponent of the metaphysical poets and, 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 and actually their their uh, fame uh, is uh, is actually predominantly 20th century i was just reading this on wikipedia but um then like, this caught my eye because uh, uh, one of eliot's most famous works uh the love song of uh, j alfred prufrock um contains the line i have heard the mermaids singing each to each and mm. i assume that's a reference here to this this line in his first stanza brilliant i've forgotten about that you're uh, absolutely right yeah, uh, the, the, uh, and then the, it finishes it with yeah, the human voices hear us and we drown. Yeah, human voices wake us and we drown. Yeah, it says, uh, no, I shall wear white flannel trousers and walk upon the beach. I have heard the mermaids singing each to each. I do not think that they will sing to me. Uh, but um, the uh, but uh, I guess also just briefly say about the mermaids singing is teach me to hear mermaids singing. Well, you were saying Dan that it would be a sort of a um, 
you know, the, Don would be aware of the cryptozoological sort of Im impossibility of ever occur, uh, hearing a mermaid because mermaids aren't real. But also, aren't mermaids, isn't mermaids singing um, what lures men to their deaths? Yeah. In the... Um, in the, the sirens in the sirens yeah they well this, i think it's the same thing isn't it a mermaid and the siren uh, in mythology so i think to hear the mermaid singing is uh is uh even like illusion yeah and but even darker you know um because to, if you if you taught if you taught him to hear the mermaid singing he would be drowned i think yeah I'm, i might be overstating that i'm not too sure but that, i think that's what mermaid singing is um but whereas in the the Elliot, the that the, what makes that poem great, one of the things is the the humility of it. The, the, you know, he he doesn't turn feelings of inferiority and rejection uh, outwardly against women. Uh, he turns them in on himself. Oh, um, but, yeah, yeah. Whereas this poem does the does the opposite. Yeah. That's what makes it a lot less. Yeah, a lot less acceptable in every conceivable way, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I suppose you would have to say that he's... he's. I mean, whether this poem is artifice or heartfelt or somewhere between the two, he he has, um, he has a, a sort of um, idealised view of what woman should be, which we may associate perhaps with a younger person. Because we're we're writing this down, and no doubt quite rightly, as being um, you know the word that's been used as misogynist. The first stanza, of course, there's nothing about that. That's it's just building up this conceit, and it's only at the end of the second stanza, the last line of the second stanza, where he says that um, nowhere lives a woman true and fair. So he's disillusioned, isn't he, by what he's been sort of led to think or believe or chosen to believe and I'm not saying that in this modern day and age that's not a misogynistic position but those are the words he uses lives a woman true and fair and he I don't know I mean I still I still feel that there's a considerable degree of artifice and, and play play of Oh, I think this is a funny poem. I mean, you, you could you could imagine that um, he a mischievous reading of this that's funny. It, whereas I don't think that was necessarily true of the um, the apparition. Um, mm. uh, the, the, there's a comic aspect to this. Um, the, the comic, the comic, the comic inversion, and the fact it's called song as well, and it's got that sing song. Yeah. I mean, you think you could set this to music very easily. It may well have been. Yeah. You know, and find what wind serves to advance. And, you know, and swear nowhere lives a woman true and fair. Ho, ho, ho. You know, I mean, it's it, it, done in the right spirit, performed in the right spirit. This yeah. could be a, a mischievous, teasing um, yeah. song about women. Uh, whereas I, I, I think the apparition had a, had a, de a definitely a more savage aspect yeah. to it whereas this is this is relatively light-hearted i think uh, yeah and, and and actually i'm sorry to speak over you there because no doubt that's, that's a, right. a sound gaff um the, the i think that sort of um rather impenetrable uh, uh last line i don't know about you guys i've been looking at that thinking what does he mean there um to two or three it's almost got a sort of throwaway musical ending hasn't it you can imagine 
as you were just singing it so beautifully. <laughs> you oh, were yeah. just singing it so beautifully, Bob. Yet yeah, she mate. will be false ere I come to two or three. Or whatever, however it was going to go, that's just a little kind of throwaway line at the end of a ditty almost. Yeah, uh, unless, yeah. Unless there's... Unless there well, is it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's essentially a comic narrative because, I mean, also, you've got to take in details like um, if, if, if you found one, I would pilgrimage to go to visit her. And even though... She might only be next door. <laughs> By the time I got there, <laughs> she would have fucked two dudes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? like, is 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 the final stanza. That's the joke, isn't it? Though at next door we might meet. <laughs> You're right. I missed that. That's a brilliant joke. When you met her, and she lasted till you wrote your letter. Yeah, she will be false ere I come to two or three. Yeah, you're yeah. quite right, of course. Uh, Actually, can I just quickly add in here, and this is maybe a sort of slightly uh, crazy aside, but um, I, I, there's, a, there's a kind of a, a joke I've heard Martin Amis uh, tell uh, where he says uh, about the difference between um, literary audiences in the United States and England. And uh, this is on a YouTube uh, thing. I heard him giving a, 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 a lecture in, in America. And he says, you know, it's amazing here in America that if um, people hear that there's a an author coming to give a speech, they will come out in the snow and the rain. They'll take the, the bus or whatever to get here. He says, whereas in England, if you told people that an author was giving a talk next door they would say i can't be bothered um but i just i just wonder you know it's almost that that very idea is in that third stanza yeah yeah even if she even if she were next door yeah this pilgrimage only had to go one door over yeah <laughs> and by the time i got there yeah, yeah she would have cheated so so in that in that sense i think it is a, it is a it is a um a board rather than a uh uh, you know, a bawdy comic poem rather than a um, the, rather than a serious uh, a, 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 and misogynistic, uh, you know, heartfelt piece of sort of you know um, um, inflammatory rhetoric or something. You know, I think this is a relatively silly poem. Um, I mean, not to say that the other one wasn't in its own way rather silly, but I think that taken at face value, at least that one had a bit more. Um, it was darker. Yeah, it was it was more harsh in and of itself, whereas this one feels like it's actually also very, you know, just 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 in terms of its it, it, it sort of image images. This one, you know, it's much much more beautiful. Um, go and catch a falling star. Get with child of mandrake root. You know, these are kind of that, that quite, coming... lo quite lovely and strange images, aren't they? You know, there's a bit something of the uncanny about it. You know, there is, but that's that's almost what makes it more sort of difficult to take i mean the, he kind of reels you uh he, you're, you're expecting a, a completely different payoff to the one um because yeah as you say the the, the the misogyny doesn't occur until two-thirds of the way down by which time yeah. you, you've been seduced into expecting a different um kind of message and then and then he, yeah he makes a joke out of it and it is a funny joke but that that doesn't necessarily take away the slightly unpalatable um point that he's making uh, yeah it's, i mean it's it's a it's a joke in the same way that um you know alf garnet is <laughs> yeah quite. It's, it's exactly. a joke, you know I mean? yeah i mentioned on the buses and that you know that 
<laughs> there's almost something worse. Yeah, the, the kind of the bitter, the anger of the um, of the apparition is sort of understandable given how clearly he, you know, strongly he he feels. Whereas here, you sort of feel like okay, he's digested this experience and then he kind of oh, let's all have a bit of a laugh, lads, um, yeah. along with me, uh, uh, women, because God, you can't trust them, can you? Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's yeah, maybe slightly more defensible from a uh, sort of uh, yeah a, a slightly humorous possibly slightly more ironic perspective um but there's still something quite there's a, there's a, still a nasty aftertaste even to this one i think i think we would need to get uh, another guest on um who, who possibly a uh, a female guest who could give us a uh, a take on this i'm i'm, I'm rather hesitant to uh, defend the, ch- the charges that you're leveling against him i mean i suppose one could only say that um he he has a a fairly idealized view of women and then it's against that that this poem uh is being written um not that it's a good thing to have an idealized view of of people but um perhaps there there's an element of that uh one last thing i just say on this poem is um and perhaps more congruent with what you're saying david is um is it my imagination or was there in about 1991 a, a, a UK number one hit by the Alfida Sane pet actor Jimmy Nail? Uh, yes, there was. Was it Do called remember- Cro- Crocodile Shoes? <clears throat> no, it was before that. Crocodile, Crocodile Shoes was mid 90s. The one Dan's referring to, I think, would be the one uh, Ain't No Doubt. That's the one you mean, isn't it, Dan? That is the one. The, that I she's mean. lying bit. The one. Yes. One. Yes. Where um, she's saying something about how much she loves him, and then he he keeps uh, interrupting with she's lying. Yeah, oh, that, that, that did happen, didn't? I mean, that that song does exist. I didn't imagine that. I dream that. No, sadly, you know that it it's a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say that this song and the Jimmy Nail song? have got a certain shared dna yeah we're saying jimmy nail is metaphysical (laughs) well i think maybe things were a little more debased (laughs) debased by then Uh, but uh i mean that that's essentially it isn't it doesn't he mean he uses this word false um and nowhere lives a woman true so i think I think it, there is a there is a kindred, to use your phrase, Rob, a kindred DNA. Was uh, was that from um, the uh, Jimmy Nail album "Well Metaphysical Pet," <laughs> 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 uh, including such classics as "She's Our Little Piece of Chicken." <laughs> <laughs> I think it was. Uh, uh, okay, I think perhaps we should move on to our third uh, third poem. I've got nothing else to say other than. Um, Okay. Yeah, I, 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 I do feel that we have read this one fairly accurately um, in terms of its uh, both comic p- position, but also its underlying hostility to women, which is kind of undeniable, uh, which might be e- exercised in a com- in a comic way, but nevertheless is quite um, kind of grim, I suppose, you know, ultimately un- uncharitable anyway. Yeah. OK, well, yeah. um. I just don't know, guys, because I was going to go for The Good Morrow, which you may have in your anthologies. 
It's the one that begins, I wonder by my troth what thou and I did till we loved. Okay, hold up. What's it called, Jesse? What's the title? It's called The Good Morrow. Mm, don't know if I've got that one. Don't think so. But I'm now thinking, since we've had these two, in fact, in this Helen Gardner yeah, anthology, it's yeah. the one immediately before the one that you've just picked, Rob, or David, whoever picked the song, you, I think, yeah, Rob. Yeah. Um, but maybe we should go a little bit later. It's quite a long poem, and I hope our readers will forgive us. It's five stanzas. Um, but I think it may take us out of this, um, I'm not going to say juvenilia, but, uh, you know, this, uh, this, uh, this punk rock face. <laughs> yeah. What's it, what's it called then? So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to suggest that we go for a nocturnal upon St. Lucy's day being the shortest day. I don't have may, that. May have I, to I, I, I should think it will be online because it's um, yeah, it's on the website. It's on the poetry foundation. Not, not okay. St. Lucy's Day. So where are we at with readings? If I do the first one, and who hasn't done a, a second one? Um, I think uh, we both have. David, is it you? Uh, um, I didn't. I didn't do the second. Okay. Uh, what's, it, what's it called? Uh, yeah. a, a nocturnal upon St. Lucy's. Day. Okay, groovy. You there? Uh, no, give me a moment. Sorry, everybody. This uh, we could have had this uh, sorted out. Can we hang on? Nocturnal. Uh, when it's when I say Saint Lucy's, I mean it just says S dot Lucy's. Well, I think it's Saint Lucy's Day. Oh fucking hell! Who knew there were so many poems with the word nocturnal in them? Nocturnal. Upon. Upon. Done. Preposition. Oh, that would do us. Oh, this is a smart commode says this is Ben looking stuff up on a uh, on a computer it doesn't make oh here we go got it okay cool <laughs> knock yourself out I'm gonna gong then I will read it David will read it we'll see if we can make anything of it A nocturnal upon St. Lucy's day, being the shortest day. Tis the year's midnight, and it is the days. Lucy's, who scarce seven hours herself unmasks. The sun is spent, and now his flasks send forth light squibs, no constant rays. The world's whole sap is sunk, the general balm the hydroptic earth hath drunk. Whither, as to the bed's feet, life is shrunk, dead and interred. Yet all these seem to laugh, compared with me, who am their epitaph. Study me, then, you who shall lovers be, at the next world, that is, at the next spring. For I am every dead thing, in whom love wrought new alchemy, for his art did express a quintessence even from nothingness from dull privations and lean emptiness. He ruined me, and I am re-begot of absence, darkness, death, things which are not. All others, from all things, draw all that's good, life, soul, form, spirit, whence they being have. I, by love's limbuck, am the grave of all that's nothing, Oft a flood, 
have we two wept and so drowned the whole world us two oft did we grow to be two chalces when we did show care to aught else and often absences withdrew ourselves and made us carcasses but i am by her death which word wrongs her of the first nothing the elixir grown were i a man that i were one i needs must know i should prefer if i were any beast some ends some means yea planch yea stones detest and love all all some properties invest if i an ordinary nothing were a shadow a light and body must be here but i am none nor will my summer renew you lovers for whose sake the lesser sun at this time to the goat is run to fetch new lust and give it to you enjoy your summer all since she enjoys her long night's festival let me prepare towards her and let me call this hour her vigil and her eve since this both the years and the day's deep midnight is well uh that's extraordinary uh just talking about the poem i mean i i'll I, let me just jump in straight away and say i think that um this is a uh a, 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 an enormous leap forwards from the two poems we've read which are relatively um i mean it's got similar themes in a way but i think uh this is a a much bigger and more uh, substantial piece of work yes yes it is um i mean in every pretty much in every imaginable way mm. uh the i think the 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 um the poetic art is um is has shifted up several gears yeah um yeah and the the feeling is is it's real i mean it's this is there's genuine pain and emotion going on here isn't there whereas you didn't quite feel i didn't quite feel that the um that the kind of the response in the previous two poems was, was you know real suffering real anguish whereas this time you really you really you, you sense it properly yeah 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 uh yeah he's been he's been really dumped here <laughs> <laughs> well i think she's died i mean this is about oh sorry yeah that's true she's died this is morning i'm assuming yeah assuming a real woman has has died not just this isn't just um yeah no 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 about, about saint lucy is it? this is about uh an actual yeah female partner yeah yeah I mean, it is to, to to go for the most obvious reference, but uh, we're 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 all the age we are, and uh, we all, we all saw four weddings and a funeral. I mean, that first uh, stanza is 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 a bit like uh, the um, is it Auden's poem? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, good point. Pack up the moon and dismantle the sun. The sun is spent. And now his flasks send forth light squibs, no constant rays. The world's whole sap is sunk. I mean, what does uh, totally very similar? Yeah, what does hydroptic mean? 
Well, hydro's water, isn't it? So yeah. um, I, I, I don't know whether that's an original coinage, uh, but I think it's just that... Um, give me thirsty. Thirsty, good, yeah. Probably. Mean, it means wanting water, doesn't it? Consuming uh, water. No, containing excessive water or fluid. No, I don't think so. Oh, well, that's what Collins Dictionary says. The general balm, the hydroptic earth hath drunk. Uh, yeah, it's what, taking it, up, taking it's up. Taken, it's taken it in, hasn't it? It's not that it's yeah, thirsty according to this one. Okay, fine. Hydroptic, yeah, thirsty. But yeah, um, yeah, okay. So, I didn't know about Saint Lucy. Did you? Did, did any, any of you know that? Did you? I didn't realize that was what the winter solstice was was called. No, I didn't know that. No, well, until and I read this. Uh, it's it's a name I know that's familiar to you, David, without, without getting too personal. <laughs> Indeed. But I, I had no idea that, that was, uh, yeah, that there was a St. Lucy. What makes you say that it's, whether as to the bed's feet, life is shrunk dead and interred? What makes you say there's a real woman who's died? Um, when he... I've lost the poem now. He, at, the, at the very end, he... A woman, doesn't he? Where, uh, uh, but I am yeah. by her death, which word wrongs her. Is that it? Yeah. So he he feels that he's completely there's there's a, a total kind of nothingness to his existence now, isn't there? He's not even uh, um, absence. He he refers to things that are the absence of something. So yeah, darkness no, is the absence. Uh, 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 absolutely, but 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 it, it, you said a moment ago that uh, that we we're talking about the uh, is this a poem of grief or mourning of a real woman as opposed to a feeling of being um, you know uh, dismal and uh, you know and uh, whatever you know ruined. Um, but I just want to know: is that actually in the text, or does it, is it just a feeling that we all got? I mean, we, you know, have you know, off the flood, have we too wept and so drowned the whole world? Us too. Uh, oft did we grow to be two chaoses when we did show a care to old house, and often absences withdrew our souls and made us carcasses. So you know, this presence that's been in his life, this person who's been in his life, um, uh, you know, when we were two chaoses, i.e., we we had fights when we showed care to anybody else and 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 to be apart withdrew our souls and made us carcasses we were so in love we were so completely in love but i am by her death which word wrongs her but is that because death is death is a word which should never belong to this particular woman or is the word wrong to say her death because she's not actually dead yeah it can be either yeah, I'm just wondering about that, whether it's... Because when we first read it, I just thought he'd been dumped. Uh, uh, and then you said maybe she's it's an actual death. And I'm not, I'm not entirely sure about that yet. I could be convinced, obviously, but I don't know. Um, there's, 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 I mean, the tone is very much... Um, it's epic and funereal, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Bleak. Uh, yeah. So it's very hard to see that it's not. Although, whilst I was initially listening to your point, I was thinking, come off it, what the hell are you saying? But I, I think it's a fair point. Um, you're right. He says which word wrongs her. You you could, therefore, infer that he's reflecting 
I mean, he's 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 older now. We understand that, um, and 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 there's 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 not contrived sensibility about this. Um, he says, but in the final stanza, but I am none, nor will my son renew. You know, you lovers for whose sake the lesser son at this time to the goat is run to fetch new lust and give it to you. Enjoy your summer all. There's a real sense that um, she's dead. Well, there is a real sense that she's dead. You're right. But well, I mean, that 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 would be one's initial reading for sure. Um, but I mean, if you were if you were to construe it any other way, um is it Lucy? Is it Lucy? Is it is it the year that he's in grief for? Since she enjoys her long night's festival, let me prepare towards her, and let me call this hour her vigil and her eve, since this, both the years and the days deep midnight is. I mean, is he saying that, that, that it's like life? is what he's missing the sun it's a sun worship you know uh, and that this dark day literally and metaphorically he's having a seasonal affected depression yeah. he's, in this dark yeah. day he is having this bleak moment but you know uh i don't know i don't I, sorry i'm just rambling really i uh, does anyone have a note on the word limbeck in the third stanza Mm, no, no, I did just hastily look that up. I think it's something to do with uh, sort of distilling. So is it that he's oh, a, like a limbic beer kind of thing? Distillation of of love, or that all that he feels that he's been strained through. So there's kind of nothing, not much left of him. Maybe okay. And he mentions. Um, that makes sense because he mentions love's alchemy or did I just completely make that up? And no, in the second no, stanza, yeah, in, who, in whom yeah. love will <clears throat> new alchemy. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so is he, this is beyond um, just the end of a relationship. Uh, it could certainly be, yeah, there's quite a lot of, there's a lot of metaphor. There's a lot of um, St. Lucy representing this darkest point of the year lower points of his life and uh, personifying the presumably the woman that he loved I guess there's a sort of a combination of all of those things going on um, and he certainly feels as though he's kind of going almost being reduced to nothing yeah. Yeah. Uh, at the very end there's a bit of a, the, do you know the Darkling Thrush, the um, the Hardy poem, where he reflects on, it's not just the end of the year, it's the end of the century, um, and sort of uh, admires the, this this thrush, this kind of ageing bird that continues to sing, um, regardless of, of the, the waning year and, and you know, the mood that Hardy himself seems to feel. Um, but there is where unlike words with that poem there's a, there's a sense of consolation he, he sort of draws comfort and reassurance from that creature uh you don't really get that here he, he sort of tries to do it because he talks about renewing and the goat but it's not for his benefit is it this is now for other people's benefit 
he's not going to be enjoying those that kind of uh, late, late blooming that others will get to enjoy. No, and you know, <clears throat> this this is not addressed <clears throat> to anyone, is it? Than a sort of um, an implied reader, but undefined, um, and and of whom he is care less in the sense that it's not that he is addressing it to anyone when he says um study me then in second stanza study me then you who shall lovers be at the next world yes the new year um but there's no sense that he will participate no, it's about annihilation, isn't it? I think it's complete. It's a complete annihilation, and I and I think that he is intentionally uh, confusing us or conflating death and and this absence of this woman, um, which is to say, he could have been either dumped or she's died, and that those two things are the same, and it doesn't make any difference which of those things is actually lit- lit- literally true. Um, and unless I then went on to read a biography of Dunn where it said, oh, his wife died in, you know, whatever. And he wrote this poem six months later, which would that would that would wind it up nicely. But but in terms of this poem, at least it's it's not personalized enough um, that it distinguishes really between death and absence. But what he is really talking about isn't that anyway. What he's talking about is is intensely personal, what he's done to him, which is a complete annihilation. Uh, and um, he's totally, totally gone. He's completely and utterly gone. So he says, uh, where is it now? Um, uh, that la- the penultimate stanza, I, I am by her death, of the first nothing the elixir grown were i a man that i were one i needs must know i should prefer if i were any beast some ends some means yea plants yet stones desist and love all all some properties invest if i an ordinary nothing were as shadow a light and body must be here but i am none i am completely gone nor will my son renew so he's saying he's basically he's completely annihilated mm. completely and earlier on it says the same thing uh, uh, uh you know i i you know i i, I this is a, a very nice uh phrase and i think it's, it's at the second stanza second stanza uh you know they study me then that you who shall lovers be at the next world that is at the next spring for i am every dead thing in whom love di- wrought new alchemy from his art did express a quintessence even from nothingness i.e i had nothing i was nothing and love somehow expressed this quintessence of himself. It was the quintessence of love that he expressed in me where there was no love. There was nothing. It was nothingness. It was dull privations and lean emptiness. But into that lean emptiness, into that dull privation that I used to be, love expressed this incredible thing, this quintessence of itself. Love was perfect in me. Mm. He ruined me. But now I am re-begot of absence, darkness, death, things which are not. You know, it's a complete destruction of him, whatever this thing is that's happened. I mean, uh, if it's if it's not the death of his 
wife. He's a fucking big moaner. <laughs> <laughs> Fancy big drama queen. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely sounds like it because you're right. That second stanza suggests that he was he was brought out of oh wait I to, to repeat what you've just said but absolutely right he he was nothing but loves alchemy yeah uh, cr- created something in him you know i have just checked that his wife did indeed uh, predecease him uh, which she did and apparently he was um <clears throat> gutted uh, i mean she had is that, well, is that the- yeah, that's not the word that, that he himself used, obviously. But um, he yeah, he mourned her deeply. He said, and I gutted B. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she had 12 of his children. Uh, yeah. I think this first stanza is, is, is you know, is up there with the, the the best of i mean i'm not saying the rest of it isn't but i mean just looking at this first stanza i mean it's up there with absolutely the greatest poetry in english language yeah it's monumental yeah um there there is a lot of sibilance in the first stanza yeah and alliteration all the way through actually Sun spent, sap sunk. Uh, Send squibs. Yeah, darkness, death. As loves Limbeck, whole world. Yeah. The world's whole sap is sunk. Yeah, it's um, it's a. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm now I've convinced myself that it probably is um. Now you said his wife predeceased him. It probably is. It probably is a. It is a poem about that, I suppose. Yeah. Um. I. I think it. You know. It is. I. I, I think in this sort of situation, it, you know, it. It could be called the poem. Could be called, um, a nocturnal upon the death of my wife. You know what I mean? It. it he could have said that. Uh. So I do think there is some aspect of ambiguity about it. But, I mean, it does seem on the face of it to be a poem about grief, uh, really. Now I reread it. Uh, I am re-begot of absence, darkness, death. They've given birth to me, those things. So, therefore, that, that in, order to, in order to have been re-begot, you'd need absence and death. Uh I mean, for kickoff, um, if it was a poem about his wife, then maybe he didn't feel that the title would should or would or should be. Um, yeah, it would be silly now, but you know, gutted about my my dead wife. No, I'm not um, saying that. I'm he's, just. I'm he's, just he's looking. I'm, I'm just saying it could be. It could be a more. It, you know, it could be more explicit. If you, you know, he's he's quite clearly making a a more general point than my wife died. And I'm sad. You know what I mean? There, there, there is a, there is a, there is a more universal thought being expressed here. Which, as I say, the fact that we're all looking at it and we can't tell if it's about grief or about being, um, you know, just merely disappointed is is telling. Yeah. No. That that that's absolutely fair. I mean, I I know I I, I wasn't making I wasn't try, uh, making such a uh, try. I I would say point. I mean, it was just that 
yeah absolutely right he's 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 if if this is indeed what the experience is about and i suppose the reason why we're all thinking that is because it's such a grief-stricken poem yeah and we're we're looking for reference points um for for why you know what what this poem uh is about um but um on 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 the other hand um you know he 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 the, the the imagery the you know the celestial motions or whatever they are you know the shortest day of the year um you're you know it's more than that isn't it absolutely as you rightly say it's 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 beyond a simple statement about um that yeah yeah yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a really huge, it's an enormous poem, isn't it? It's really probably the most impressive, well, not the most impressive necessarily, but uh, it's a it's one of the biggest poems we've read, I think, so far on this podcast. Um, it seems like it could be unpacked at great length. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you 100% uh, on that. I know I think that is natural because it's a sort of a somber and serious tone which calls a certain um gravity to to it um but also just things like things like for example i mean but i am by her death which word which word wrongs her i mean i've mentioned this before but i mean that bracketed phrase which word wrongs her is so ambiguous and so odd um and so out of keeping with the rest of the poem, in a way, uh, stylistically. And did, yeah, and did parenthesis even exist? I mean, I'd like to see this in, like, the original manuscript. Yeah, right, absolutely, yeah, well, of course, yeah, where he spelt, you know, death with an F and two two Fs and an E, you know, God only knows what it looked like in the original manuscript, yeah. Uh, but suffice it to say, that's very peculiar um, and, and, and sort of uh, and mysterious. Yeah. Uh, this whole poem is quite got quite a lot of odd mystery in it, um, and uh, odd illusions. I mean, what also just um, when it, in the final uh, stanza, you lovers for whose sake the lesser son at this time to the goat is run. What does that mean to the goat? I've got a note on that in this oh, okay. part, in this edition. Uh, it's about the uh, is it Capricorn? Um, Capricorn is the first. Sign of New zodiacal yeah. sign of the after in the new year oh thanks okay yeah so go goatish is is lustful isn't it the the goat tends to be um thought yeah. of as a kind of symbol of uh, okay for some reason okay like pan you know kind of yeah thing. uh okay so the so for whose sake the lesser sun i.e the uh the shorter day at this time to the goat is run to fetch new lust and give it you. Enjoy your summer all. You're going you're going onwards into new loves, new lusts, new life. Since she enjoys her long nights festival, let me prepare towards her. What does let me prepare towards her mean? And then we're back at St. Lucy, aren't we? He's, he's uh, talking about preparing for the for the winter for the darkest time of the year. Yeah. You enjoy your... No, but it's the sun, isn't it? The, but it's the, the sun 
uh, he's talking about all the way through this stanza. Nor will my son renew. You lovers, uh, for whose sake the lesser son at this time to Capricorn is run, enjoy your summer all, since she enjoys her long night's festival. You're, I mean... That's, no, no, that, who is that she, though? Is she the son? Is she the dead wife? Is she Lucy? Yeah, a bit of all of them, perhaps. Maybe, yeah. It's a very, it's a very cryptic uh, closer, this. Because she enjoys her Long Night's Festival. We don't know who she is. Well, we don't. I mean, he does. We don't. Let me prepare towards her. And let me call this hour her vigil and her eve, since this is both the years and the days deep midnight is. So maybe, oh God, I don't know. Her vigil and her eve, are they even the same her? Um, I think this poem has broken me. <laughs> well, this is, this is maybe where, David, you can help. Since she enjoys her long night's festival forensically the pronoun she what's going on <laughs> in the spot there. since she enjoys her long festival um but i mean festival that is the that not just saint lucy it's it's saint lucy's feast day isn't it? If, that, if that's what they, which I'm not, I hadn't known that before, but the title tells that's what the the shortest day of the year is called. So um, it links with the which we need. We probably should look into who Saint Lucy actually was. Yeah, I guess I help. But um, you know, it, she's barely there. The the sun on that day barely peeps out, uh, as he says in the first stanza. Uh, fleeting appearance, like seven hours, you know, so just a fleeting appearance um, before um, scarce seven hours herself unmasks. I don't know. I guess it's it's uh, perhaps a, a, a an acknowledgement that his happiness was a lot more fleeting than he realised it would be. Yeah, he didn't appreciate that, uh, that the, the time he had with her was going to be as short as it turned out to be. Yeah, and that's how he sort of remembers her particular day. I mean, she might have died on that particular day, but I suspect it's more more um, metaphorical than that. The, the kind of the shortest day of the year is short. It is appropriate because of the brevity of the time that they had. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Is he saying? Is he saying that he's going to? Is he going, is he saying he's going to rename the day? Let me call this hour her vigil and her eve. Do you know what I mean? Like he's saying this is no longer St. Lucy's Day. This is the festival of my dead wife. I don't know. Holy moly. I think yeah, that's Let me call this hour her vigil. Why are we why are we talking about St. Lucy? This is not St. Lucy's Day at all. This is both the days years and the days deep midnight years. I don't know. I really don't know. I, I I've got one little thought because I, I feel like we're 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 all 
Um, Circling the drain. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's a good, good, good expression. I like it. And maybe, maybe he was too, in a way, when he wrote this poem, yeah. in a sort of um, certain sense. But if I were to tell you, I mean, just looking at the last stanza, the fifth stanza, if I were to say to you, this was written um, in 1998, mm-hmm. would that change? Would that change our reading of it? But I am none, nor will my son renew. You lovers, for whose sake the lesser son at this time to the goat is run to fetch new lust and give it you, enjoy your summer all. Since she enjoys her long night's festival, let me prepare towards her, and let me call this hour her vigil and her eve since this both the years and the day's deep midnight is. I, I don't know. It doesn't sound like lyrics from The Verve. I mean, it doesn't seem probable this would have been written then. But um, um, I don't know. I mean, it's... Uh, it's it's, I find it, I'm finding it a little bit impenetrable. I've drunk a bottle of wine, but I mean, it, it, I'm finding it a little bit impenetrable. Um, I mean, lyrically, it's, I mean, I speaking for myself, I mean, it is extremely, um, it lands, you know. Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. It's completely brilliant, but it's it's sort of difficult to pull apart. You know, that's the thing is, it, it, to to try and get to the, the 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 nub of exactly what it is he's talking about is quite tricky. Um, we un- we understand the meaning of the poem. The poem is 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 this, as I say, this sort of like sense of annihilation through um, through loss. You know, but but it's the nature of that loss and and his interchanging use of pronouns. And I mean, the fact that he's invoking Lucy or when he's talking about a woman, but then he's also talking about, uh, you know, um, uh, was it love in the um, his art? You know, so there's a sort of a, a you know a, a characters that's being that are being pulled in. Um, so when when it says. By love's limbeck, uh, I love by love's limbeck. Am the grave of all that's nothing. Oft a flood have we two wept. Well, is he talking about him and Lucy? Is he talking about him and this other person, this third person who's nameless, this woman who he's just introduced, or is he talking about you know um, uh, him and him and uh, yeah, him and uh, love? You know, it's 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 difficult to know. And I think there is that 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 uh, the ambiguities so there are run right through it um right through every every one of these stanzas where there's kind of a uh double meaning of everything i suppose and that makes it hard to 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 dig into do you think that he has got a sort of metaphysical thing going on well, he's a metaphysical poet. He's a, a metaphysical physical poet. So yeah, probably. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 <laughs> no, that that thought occurred to me uh, just as you were speaking, and I thought yeah. I had to say it out loud because it it does rather seem like that, doesn't it? Yeah, I I I, I really don't know. I mean, I I'm sorry. I'm slightly. I'm, I'm uh, probably being slightly tedious and uh, rather bombastic now. I don't know. But uh, uh, you know, on, on the face of it, this is an extremely brilliant poem i think and it's very um you know the surface reading of it i think is very poignant very moving 
and uh, and, and, and uh, you know is a is a is an expression of grief, beautifully wrought and you know supremely well expressed. Uh, we haven't even talked about the formal aspects of it, which are you know immaculately well done. Um, the rhyme scheme, you know, look, just looking at random uh, stanza, renew, sun, run, you, all, festival, call, this is, you know, the 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 the, the formal aspects of this poem are like are very very beautiful, um, but I feel like there's something else running through it that we haven't quite got our teeth into yet. Um, I'm not really sure what that is. Why is why is why is he writing this poem on St Lucy's Day? Yeah, I had a, I just had a quick look at Saint Lucy. Um, she was a yeah, so a Christian martyr. The name means light, and she her her saint's day is generally not quite. I think of as the shortest day of the year, but pretty close to it, December the thirteenth. Um, so the idea of a kind of bringing bringer of light into darkness, I guess, is the um, right. Is yeah, the, is the main that point. That's a very beautiful idea in itself, yeah. Yeah, and that's it. That that's that's one of the reasons I like this as much as I do, much more than the other ones, is that it's yeah, it strikes a number of different notes, doesn't it? It hits different different yeah. notes. You and you wouldn't think that it would it, if you if you summarised it. It's it appears to be just a very very dark uh, uh, statement statement of mood, yeah. and yet language you compare it to the first one we looked at which where every single image was was bleak and cold mm. um, this actually isn't like that even though it is as as um pained and anguished as it obviously is uh, he still finds room for references to things like well alchemy and um, elixir you know, you, you've got these glimmers of of light and hope, um, even though that actually is, runs contrary to the actual point that he keeps making time, time and time again. So you yeah. sort of feel that there is some hope here because he has, I mean, he's grown clearly so much as, as as a poet by the time he's come around to experiencing the thing that he is now writing about. That uh, you feel, in spite of it all in a strange way or I do by um by the way this poem you know this this realization how he felt and grown and learned as a as a human being yeah yeah gentlemen shall I ring my gong before we move on to our final uh comments let me this? just let me just say one more thing because I've just sussed out one thing about the last stanza when he says but I am none which is which is an unjammed from the previous uh, uh, line, uh, uh, but then he says, "Nor will my son renew." His son is this woman, isn't it? The dead woman. And then he says, "You lovers, for whose sake the lesser son." So he's talking about the son, which is at the centre of his of, of our solar system. The son is the lesser son compared with his with his. Uh, dead woman his dead lady uh i'm sure i think is again very beautiful you know um the lesser son uh, uh, talking about the son as the lesser son compared to his woman you know what i mean it's, it's uh sorry i just 
I just noticed that for the first time. Uh, carry on, Dan. Sorry. No, no. You should try that later on. See where it gets you. okay chaps we're back to uh uh the last uh, moments of this podcast um i should say a uh, couple of uh, formal notes um firstly uh, thank you both so much uh for uh participating this evening um rob i wonder if i could just ask you to read out one last time the um the newly formed uh email address of the podcast the contact details it is uh, poetrypodcats at gmail.com. And that will be in the show notes if Dan can uh, work out how to do that. Uh, it's all one word, poetrypodcats at C-A-T-S dot at gmail.com. Uh, poetrypodcats at gmail.com. Brilliant. Thank you, Rob. Um, and we have uh, gone slightly over what we were what we were intending to record this evening, so I'm sure we we, we can keep it uh, brief. I mean, I will say I don't know uh, too much about John Donne. I think that um, there was such a contrast between the 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 first two poems, which I thought were sort of Elizabethan artifice and very nicely done. And and the final poem that we read, the third poem that we read, um, which are uh, leaves us, I think, with a slight sense of mystery about John Donne. Um, I think he has a place in English poetry, which I think is slightly elusive, um, and and I don't feel like we've been able to pin him down enormously. Um, I hand over to uh, to, to to you two guys to, to to have a sort of a bit of a thought on him. Uh, well, we, David, David yeah. just quite, it's, sorry, Rob, yeah, it's it's quite right that we that we haven't pinned him down. I think that's that's only right. Uh, I don't think it should be possible to pin anyone down. Um, uh, so you know, I don't think we should blame ourselves for that. Uh, and also, I think we've done pretty well as far as it's always gratifying to cover at least a, a fairly decent sweep of someone's oeuvre and which I think we've done here because uh, it just felt as though we'd yeah just by I, mean, I, I wasn't at all familiar with the, the poem that I chose and I kind of quite I'm quite pleased we, we picked it for various reasons but it's not you know I don't think it is it was entirely representative I thought the second one was more representative of the kind of more playful nature of his um of his early work and uh, I, I enjoyed the humor of that but yeah but it was only really by the time the final poem that we we found jo, uh, uh, John Donne at his best and we really kind of got to the heart of what makes him a, a great a great English poet so I'm saying yeah we, where, where you can see where the moderns in fact which I had read just before we started recording uh, that the, the modernists were were huge um, uh, hugely influenced by the metaphysical poets and John Donne in particular, and actually the 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 the, uh, the 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 importance of the metaphysical poets was only really registered in the 20th century. They were kind of obscure uh, sort of uh, characters or figures, uh, you know, literary figures, um, up till the 20th century, and it was really only in the 1920s 
um, that the modernists sort of un, uh, sort of fully uh, reevaluated um, Dunn and his contemporaries, and uh, uh, and that these poems were given the sort of I suppose the kind of cultural importance that they have now. Um, and it was only with this last poem where you sort of think, yeah, I can I can actually see where uh, where that you know why that importance has been given, and why that um, why the, why the modernists would have seen these poems as being uh, you know uh, meaningful and and, uh, and inspirational, uh, whereas the first two poems, yeah, absolutely just seemed like um, as Dan said earlier, sort of juvenilia in a way. I mean, you know, obviously very. Uh, you know, formally capable and and uh, and in a way extraordinary in their own right, but nevertheless, they were not um, as thought provoking as this last one by a long shot. Gentlemen, thank you so much. I don't know whether they will still be listening to podcasts in four hundred years and be able to reappraise us as a as a podcast. Um, who knows? The metaphysical uh, podcasters. But I would say on that on that note, uh, thank you so much. Uh, if you are still listening to us, and I apologise for any sound uh, issues that we may have had um, as we have gone in to the poet John Dunn.